this is the first time that you've seen a fully realized and active werewolf. You saw Imogen edge in that direction out in the woods, but nothing is holding them back now. And you are glad that you are behind them, not in front of them. Alarms begin blaring well within that office space. But interestingly, no alarms are going off behind you in the Avalon space, beyond the general alert that you heard when you re-entered the hall. How do you want to attempt to get into Avalon? What sort of entry system do they have? Is it the same sort of, like, key code system? It is. It's the same sort of key code system. There does appear to be a biometric interface, but you don't know if that's required or a backup, but there is a place to put your finger to provide additional biometric data. I'm going to try and just spoof the card reader and see if that's effective. Okay. Go ahead and give me a roll. That's no successes. You attempt to spoof the card reader and it comes up as denied access. You were not able to reproduce the ID there, you suspect you might have to take a more blunt force approach. I'm good at that. Mark, can you just break down this glass? Sure. I'm going to invoke the weird and go into my war form. That will get the job done. (laughs) Is the ambient banality or anthropic hostility here higher than expected? At the moment, the anthropic hostility here is not terribly high for you. If anything, the area seems more saturated with Zed than Anthropic Hostility. Well, assuming a normal difficulty then, I got two successes. You are I become a terrible looking man bear. Pig. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You are in your bear war form for the duration of the scene. So all of the advantages that go along with that, including the free procedures and execution of your theories. Those are all available to you now. Cool. Now that my formulas are free, I'm going to tell people, okay, everybody move to this side of the room, away from the window. I've got lethal soak now. (laughs) You can you can try to just burst your way through the plate glass window. You're not going to take it on the chin the way the Garu did, but you will be able to soak it. Mm. Okay, well, I'll wayfare myself through the window. (laughs) All right, what is your procedure for that? Okay, I'm going to back up, and I'm going to take a Limbeck compactor, stick it on the wall, and set it to overload, which will exert a ton of force. (laughs) So are you sticking it on the wall, or are you sticking it on your back? Because you said you were going to wayfare yourself. Well, I mean, if it's on the wall and the wall can't move, the force goes towards me. (laughs) All right. You put the Olympic compactor on the wall. You stand in front of it with the plate glass window in front of you. Mm -hmm. It goes off. And because you have the chance to take so much damage from this, I'm absolutely giving this to you as a third level procedure. So your difficulty is only five. Hey, one whole success. One success, given your bulk, is going to do the trick. Unfortunately, because you only got one success, 
it's actually going to do a little bit more damage to you because the plate glass window only barely gives way. Roll your stamina plus any bonus armor you have to soak. Difficulty six, ones do not subtract. Oh my. Well, I broke the window. That was the goal. (laughs) Did you soak anything? I did not. You will take three lethal damage. Awesome. Poor Dova Bear is now inside this open, expansive office space that you find yourself within. There's not even a receptionist. It's just rows and rows of desks with nothing separating them. And a couple doorways along the edges of this room. And he is sliced up. He is bashed and he has lacerations all up and down his arms, on his face. Thankfully, nothing hit his eye or anything terribly critical. Doesn't look like he's cut at anything arterial, but he's pretty beaten up. Still, he's Dova Bear, and he's your tank, and he's going to get through this. I make that noise bears make when they fall down sometimes. Oh... Near the back of this sea of open, same desks, you see the doorways that, based on the schematics you have, should lead into the server room. Is there anything else you want to do, any other reconnaissance you want to do on this area, or do you want to go directly to that server room? I know this kind of gums up the works. I didn't anticipate this happening, but... I did put for my antithesis that wildlife endangered by human technology. <laughs> um, Roll your Z. It's your antithesis, so we're going to make the difficulty nine. Cool. This is, this is good. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. I have one success. One success is all you need. <laughs> you do not absorb the internally generated anthropic radiation that you feel emanating from your hatred of this situation and the turbulence that creates in your holographic form. You feel it ease out of you. You take a deep breath and you keep it together. Yeah. At this point, I imagine Casey is just like white as a sheet and frozen. There is the entryway at the back of the room that, according to the schematics, will lead to the server room. The rest of this open desk hellscape is pretty uninteresting. You do see some computers, although most of the desks are just empty, and they have monitors bolted to them. Like, these people don't even actually get a place. They just get to come in, find whatever open spot there is, plug in their laptop, and they have to work there. It's a people company, and by people we mean it's a server room, and people just sort of come in and out. Yep. There are some computers here you could try to hack if you wanted to, or you could just go straight into that server room and make some chaos. Um, Mark is going to keep watch to see if danger is approaching and cry a little. So Neodymium is going to ask that before we set off the EMP devices, he be allowed to A, hack the servers that are here and find what connection points he can locate in digital subspace. 
I want to find where their backups are. Do what you okay. need to do. Since I'm not having to use wits this time. Correct. It's not a combat action. You can take your time and actually think through this problem. Difficulty is going to be eight. These are very well-secured computers. Luckily, that's five successes. You pick one of the desktops, you boot it up, and you're able to get in, and you realize as soon as you have this computer up and running that it is actually part of an isolated bubble of digital subspace. All of the computers in this building are off-grid. None of them are connected to the broader digital subspace. It is likely that they have backups, but right now it appears that this is an isolated system. Can I tell that um, they have made copies of this data? The real world, Natalie knows that there is almost always evidence of that. You are able to tell from what's on this computer and what's on the intranet that it's connected to that there is a backup procedure, but they're still engaging in what appears to be like a, a hard media physical backup process that's secured. You know the schedule, and you can see the access codes for the delivery mechanisms, and there's a whole protocol for when they arrive to accept the... They're not tapes. They're disks of some sort, and take the data off-site. But this is not how a game company does work. This is how certain specific classifications of military data are managed and high, high security military data. Neodymium will say with a completely straight face while tapping random buttons because we're changelings still. Luckily, we're dealing with amateurs. They do not appear to have created the backups yet. You have a schedule for when data is taken off-site. Data has been taken off-site previously. It looks like it happens once a week. You have the codes for where that data ends up being taken, but the full scope of whatever it is they're keeping here looks like it's kept isolated from the broader digital subspace. There is a projection of digital subspace here that you could dive into, you could engage with the same way that you engaged with the device back in the UFO, but it isn't connected to the broader digital subspace network. So bluntly, there's no way for me to deal with any of the data they've already copied. Not right now in this session. You have enough information from that computer to track it down. Neodymium is going to memorize and make a copy of this schedule along with any of the relevant data that he deems pertinent. And he's going to go, well, there's not really a way for me to initiate a server attack on any of them because they're not connected, as far as I can tell. So our original plan of wiping the servers here with those lovely electromagnetic devices should do for now. All right. So is there anything else that anyone wants to do here, or do you want to move forward on that server room? Other than wiping everything here, nothing else. (laughs) 
I'm just saying it's a big room and there are computers here and they would fall to EMP. So he is going to task one of the server drones to connecting to one of these servers because apparently someone wants copies of the data and though he thinks it's entirely ridiculous that they think this will ever be needed in the future, he's not the one calling the shots on that particular thing because the orders came from someone with letters in front of their name. Yes, they did. So you have four EMP mines, grenades. You had three server drones. You gave one to the Garu. You are going to activate one of the server drones here that can store and do broadband broadcasting and interfacing override. They they have a, a suite of software on them. It sounds like you are going to use one of the server drones to access the desktops in this room and uh, scrape them for data? Yeah, I'm going to pull as complete a copy of the Avalon game data as is possible and any in-progress patches or updates that they are working on and then any and all back-end developer data. Okay, so that's going to take some time to progress but you can set that drone to do its work while you move forward and then pick it up as you leave. Yeah, that's what we'll do. Okay. The server drone is set. It is accessing the computers one at a time. I will roll for the computer separately, and we'll see how well it does at the end of the session. Conrad, is there anything you want to do in this room before you move forward into the server room? I had actually wanted to create a copy as well, um, and okay. had brought a separate system to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to set it up on the same computer if possible. That way we don't have to hack into another one and do like a simultaneous copy. You know, Dimium doesn't trust this thing to do its job on its own. He'll be walking it through the entire process of like starting up. So, I mean, any assistance that he can uh, give the, the original drone or... Um, I mean, you can roll to assist the drone. When you get into it, it is very well programmed. You see the fingerprints of Admiral Bakshi's coding on this. So she built these systems personally. You can make an assist roll. Conrad, go ahead and give me an intelligence plus computer check. In your case, because you're familiar with at least the basic structure of these systems, your diff is six. Neodymium, your difficulty is eight. So Conrad has two successes. You're able to get into the systems. It helps that Neodymium did so much initial legwork for you. They're already set up. They're already running. There's basic access. You are going to be able to get into more data than was initially coded for access. Mm-hmm. Neodymium, how many successes did you get on your roll? With eight successes, as you are assisting the server drone, you recognize that the server drone isn't just doing data retrieval. It's doing analysis of the data it's pulling and categorizing it by statistical significance. And it appears to be honing in on specifically the holographic techniques that are built into the software. It's actually decompiling and processing the software as it pulls out branches of it. 
And you can also tell with that many successes as you're working to build this retrieval system that Conrad is pulling the data out, but he's also running the data through a pretty intensive encryption system. It's not something you've ever seen before, and it's not something you think you would be able to crack, actually. There are a couple funny things going on here with what's being done with this data once it's pulled out of this system. The other thing is, this does not have the full scope of the code. So this particular computer, it has whatever this developer was working on pulled down and checked out, but the full range of the code is in another device somewhere in, you presume, this intranet, and it's locked down under heavy security right now, likely because of the alarms you tripped getting in here. I'm sorry, Neodymium, your code is in another castle? Yes. At this point, I think you've all set up as much data retrieval as you can set up from these computers. You see the blinking red light from the server room and its security system. It seems almost urgent the way it fills this dark room as it blinks. You know it's going to be a pain to get past with all the protocols you've set off, but it's the only real remaining thing here that has any meaning beyond what you've already retrieved. How do you want to attempt to get past the security? There is a retinal scanner on the actual access pad. Blow it up. <laughs> oh, can I take blowing it up? Let's see. What Many does the, the door look like? It's not nearly as large as the door that you had to get past downstairs, but it is similarly a solidly metal door. It has this security pad off to the side with a retinal scanner roughly at five and a half foot height, where unless someone was very tall, they'd be able to get down and, and look into it fairly easily. Yeah, it's a big metal door. You don't see any other windows into this room. You also realize, looking that direction as you turn your focus there, you can't really feel anything coming from this door. There's no underlying subspace hum. There's no holographic sense of the zero-point energy that exists in the quantum fields beyond that door. You really have no idea what is going on in there. I could beat the door up. I have an idea, but I have to read to make sure if it'll work. You guys can continue to discuss amongst yourselves. Oh, I am totally willing to let somebody else fail at the door first. (laughs) I'm I'm all about Casey's idea. I have chicanery, I have sapiology, and I also have fields. Can I fake the retinal scan? I believe you could. You would need some sort of source for knowing what the retinal scan is supposed to look like. So Casey has kind of been on autopilot since the door incident and follows the group towards the server room and realizes that we're stuck. And they stare at the retinal scanner for a long time. And then suddenly they kind of start to come to life again. They kind of speed walk back towards where 
the hacking is occurring in the more office area and they just start like going through drawers and filing cabinets and everywhere and looking around and finally they find a singular succulent on a windowsill next to a tiny a photo with a family and they're like great and they just like rip the frame <laughs> they take the frame and they're like ripping the photo out and they go and they like, look at it and then they take a picture of the photo with their phone and then blow it up and do some fancy work and then try to, I want to be fancier than just holding up the phone to the retinal scanner. I would like to project it even though a phone can't really do that. But by Casey's willpower. But you can. You absolutely can. can. Yes. <laughs> Casey wants to do it so badly. They've seen it in movies and they are feeling more technically advanced than they usually do as a man bat person so casey will use their phone to do a high resolution analysis of the eye and then project it over their own eye to scan in and hopefully trick the sensor okay i'm gonna give that to you as a second level procedure so go ahead and roll chicanery plus in this case it's really how much sapiology do you have i have two I'm going to go ahead and go with sapiology on this because while the picture is technically more fermionics, what you're targeting is his biology. It comes in understanding him and you're manipulating biometrics here. So I'm going to use sapiology. Go ahead and roll chicanery plus sapiology and your difficulty is six. <laughs> no. Oh no. <laughs> I failed. I didn't botch. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Okay, if you failed, you do have a couple options. You can try again at one higher difficulty. Don't we all have three battery cells, quote-unquote, of zero-point energy? You do have three battery cells. Can I, in a fit of frustration, throw one of those at this? Because <laughs> I just want to be able to do something. In so, this, this session of our discontent. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> You have a couple options here. You can roll again um, at one higher difficulty, but you feel this sudden urge that you really need to overcome here. So you can invest a willpower and to counteract that additional difficulty, you can turn three of your dice into harmony dice and the difficulty will be one lower. My brain just like shorted out. So basically, so that would add three to my dice pool or no? No, when you actually roll a magic effect, any dice that are harmony in Countless or in Changeling is called Nightmare. You don't roll more dice, but you roll uh, a different color. Yes. Um, and you go, okay, these dice are harmony dice. And then if you get tens, it metastasizes and you get more harmony. And in the case of the way things roll in Countless, if you roll ones, the harmony will escape. You will lose harmony, but there will be unfortunate side effects. Okay, cool. Okay, so I can roll again. I can spend willpower, right? You get an auto success, yes. Yes, okay. And then I have to roll harmony dice too? Uh, if you roll the harmony dice, that will lower your difficulty by one. That's just a suggestion to drive this home. Let's try this. We're going for it. <laughs> All right. Oh, I just have the one success. And then here go with my harmony die. Oh, I have a 10. Just the one. <laughs> okay. You feel harmony grow within you. 
and you feel yourself pushing back and remembering what you had been before and how close you could have come to escaping all of this. And for the remainder of the scene, anytime you are exposed to holographic phenomena, you will have a fairly insatiable need as opposed to just attacking them to attempt to consume them. Cool. This is fun. All right, let's go. (laughs) All right. So that one success is enough to fake the biometric scan and you feel it flicker and twitch and it, it doesn't last for very long, but your eye shifts in color from the projection of your phone, and after a couple attempts, where it doesn't outright fail, it just says incomplete reading, you finally hear a click and a buzzing sound, and the door opens in front of you. Beyond the door is a very large, dark room. The room, you can tell immediately, has a much, much higher ceiling than the open office you're in now. When you go in, you can't tell exactly how high it is, but you suspect it's probably at least three stories tall. So this room goes up a ways and takes up probably double the space of that open office. And this had been marked on the schematics as a server room, but it's wide open. The walls are all pitch black. And as soon as you get inside, you all feel the immediate thrum of zero-point energy. For you, Conrad, you feel a very strong flow of primal energy. The air is saturated with it. On the far end of this room, and it goes on for a ways, there is a relatively small, curved, cray-style server. There are blue and red lights blinking along all of the creases where the panels give way so it can curve back on itself. And it is humming right along. It looks like there's just a big open area that you could walk to to get to the server. You can see a panel to the right side of it where you should be able to interface with it. It's a very, very long room. Who's the rogue that's going to check for traps? Leading, so I'm feeling a little more cautious than usual. <laughs> I will make a dowsing check to see if I am seeing. The difficulty on the dowsing is only five when you are actively trying to evaluate the Zed here because there's there's just so much you're going to notice something. No, there are no traps. This is completely safe. <laughs> oh, God. And I begin to walk into the room. <laughs> Neodymium has learned never to trust Dova Bear's ability to perceive anything related to technology and would have already been doing a dowsing check of their own. All of your dice are banished, by the way, <laughs> for all time. That was um, a mega botch, by the way. <laughs> oh, like how many... Wa- revised, no successes. That You're was... not doing second edition botch rules. That was one success and three ones. It's just a failure. (laughs) Uh, Not a botch unless there are no successes. Well, then I'm just confused. (laughs) Okay, so you don't go wandering in. All you experience is the thrum of Zed. 
even with a failure, you can tell that there is a, a ton of holographic something here, but you can't really identify anything meaningful about it. There's just too much noise. Neodymium, how did you do on your dowsing check? Four successes. You are overwhelmed by the noise for a second or two, but you're able to cut through the distortion, and you recognize immediately that this Zed, this holographic imprint you're feeling, is coming from projectors like the ones that were in those phones. You can also tell those projectors are way up in the walls. So you look up, and it's... Like I said, this room is like three stories tall. There are projectors probably all the way at the top of those three stories. And then every like eight, nine feet, there's another projector. And there are lines of them coming down the walls. Right now, they're not actively projecting anything. But this would be the equivalent of the holographic manifestation power of like 20 of those phones. And you now suspect that this room was not just a server room, it was for testing. So he's going to extend his arm. So if that means he's accidentally slapping Dover Bear in the face, like... I'm actually fairly large. You're probably, like, gutting me or nutting me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Dover Bear is at least eight, nine feet tall in his uniform. Good. We need to cut power to this room immediately. There are projectors all across the ceiling for the game. Would you perhaps want to reference the schematics that Conrad has? He will attempt to poke the schematics. We'll get the security error and then go. Yes, you will. Carter, please show me on the map. Sorry, I keep forgetting that. And Conrad will pull up the schematics. When you pull up the schematics, this room draws energy from at least eight different distinct locations. And those are scattered throughout this three-story area. So just cutting the power is going to be challenging, although not impossible. You can see where those locations are. Some of them are on this story. You could get to them. You know, they're not right next to you, so you would have to go out into the room. Some of them are higher up, and... It would be very difficult to get to them without some form of uh, flight or elevation. You do know that the EMP devices can do limited hovering, short distance. So you might be able to get them a little bit up into the air and set them off, and it might disrupt some of the nodes. Based on the instructions you got on those, you don't think you could get them high enough to wipe out the stuff that's on that third story. Casey, I require your assistance. Casey's not used to being useful to Neodymion, so they look startled and say, yes? (laughs) Casey, you are capable of limited to moderate elevation. Yeah, I can fly. I require the use of your flight. Take this. And he, he somehow, without asking, just grabs one. Neodymium goes diving into Esty's backpack. We have established Neodymium is as rude as comedically necessary. Mm-hmm. Neodymium pulls one of these devices out and hands it to Casey. Casey, you do have limited ability to fly in your normal form. 
However, keeping flight is going to require the expenditure of Zed over time, especially carrying this big item. It would probably be much more efficient if you were to expose your Xenoform. Yeah, I think that's the route to go. Expose yourself. (laughs) And I'm sorry, I don't remember mechanics right now. I apparently spent too much time in the sun today. What do I roll to do that? You'll spend a Zed and a willpower, and then you will roll your permanent Zed. Difficulty is seven. I have two successes. You successfully expose your Xenoform. You can now do all of the things that are associated with calling on the weird. You now have two fully manifest Xenoforms in the room. As you do that, there is a rush of Zed that escapes you as your body twists and transforms and you are now like a five foot tall bat. You have much more dexterous fingers than a bat would normally have sort of talons at the end of their wingspan, but you are, for all practical purposes, a bat. You can walk around, but you're much more comfortable in the air. As that wave of Zed, as you expose your xenoform, spreads throughout the room, it will begin to activate hollow emitters. And a number of uh, scanning drones are just popping into existence throughout the room and beginning to shoot out waves of lasers to attempt to detect what's going on in the room. Flying up is going to be a challenge now, assuming you don't just attack these things outright. Oh, no. But doesn't my wing act as Wayfair too? So I can just correct theoretically just pop up there. I don't have to fly up there right? Wayfair 2 is not teleportation. Wayfair 2 is Quicksilver, yeah. So your wing will basically give you an extra action every round you're in the air. Okay. So you can move very quickly. You might be able to outrun these things. So maybe it doesn't matter if they notice you. What could go wrong? Yeah. Casey can only focus on one thing at a time. They're immediately concerned about the lasers and they look at Neodymium and say, can you provide ground support? And then take off before waiting for an answer. <laughs> All right. So give me a dexterity plus athletics roll. Give okay. me two dexterity plus athletics rolls, actually, because of the Quicksilver. Oh, the first one's real bad. Let's just start did there. Did you botch? I did. Oh, wait, no, no, I didn't. That's right. You just failed. Uh, but I botched the second time. So... <laughs> They're just six difficulty. <laughs> I know. I, uh, yep. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I did not build this stuff to be this challenging. No. Like thematically intimidating, but not actually breaking the group. I'm sorry. Wow. Okay. Can okay, I hack stop them? And think about this for a second. Um, <laughs> I could jump up and maul one. Oh my god. Casey leaps up and begins flying straight towards the ceiling. She is erratically dodging out of the way of these drones at first, and she doesn't actually hit any of the drones, which is good, but they are all hitting her with their scanning sweeps, and they all turn and begin focusing on her. And then... She just looks down to keep track of the drones that are following her. 
And then when she turns around and looks up, she doesn't see the much larger drone that is now rezzing into existence because she set off so many of the alarms. This larger drone has a wingspan and almost looks like it's designed to be a robotic bat-like creature. It is shifting and coming into greater resolution as more of these drones scan Casey, and you just run headlong into it. You just crash into it, and then you both begin falling out of the sky because you were not expecting that. You will land on the ground at the beginning of next round. Everyone give me an initiative check. We're killing it. Literally. (laughs) You are not killing it. The mainframe is absolutely going to go first. You see on the far end of the room a very tall, long-haired form resolve into existence in front of the mainframe. It is currently holding a gun in one hand and a very long sword in the other hand. It begins walking towards you. You can't quite focus on the features of this person all that carefully, and their skin is a shifting, multicolored, dancing array of lights. You all have the strong feeling just based on the look on their face and the slight upturned grin that this might be an avatar of the server itself. At this point, it's just that person walking towards you. Thankfully, there's a fair bit of distance between you and them. You have these drones in the room. There are about 12 of them. And the large robotic bat figure that resolved into existence that is falling with Casey. And at this point, you can now see pins of light at various points on the walls. There are two or three of them at the lowest level where you could all reach them. The rest of them are higher up. You're fairly certain those are the emitters. The server did not summon anything else particularly substantial. Who had the highest roll? I think there was a nine. Yes, so Conrad, it is your turn. I want to make sure I'm understanding some of the mechanics behind this correctly. This is a holographic emission, correct? Correct. Okay. So you are currently abducted. You can see and engage with these emissions. But yes, right now everything that is manifest here is holographic. You have seen, well, currently two members of the crew have made their holographic forms physical, and there was evidence based on some of the reconnaissance that there's a version of this thing that can similarly solidify holographic reality. At the moment, none of these are physically resonant. I would like to try to, again, close off holographic reality. Okay. I am going to spend a willpower, and I would like to spend some of the quintessence that I have to reduce my difficulty. Go for it. You can absolutely do that. I assume you're going to use the security console that was issued to you by your quartermaster? Yes, exactly. As your instrument? Yep. All right. So you're engaging in pretty basic subspace field hacking at this point. This is actually not a vulgar effect. You are not truly in any sort of isolated subspace area with different rules, and by and large, reality would rather holographic space not interfere. This is going to be coincidental. Your 
difficulty on this is going to be five. Okay, so I'm spending two quintessence to bring it down to a three. Oh, I got two tens. Ha two tens indeed. All right, three successes. So you do not have the necessary understanding to actually strengthen the subspace barrier and completely lock off subspace, but with second-level dimensional science, you are able to create a series of holes that leak out the energy that's being emitted from this higher harmonic area. So someone else could go in there and retrieve it relatively easily, but for the moment, you are basically siphoning off the energy out of portals that you are very discreetly opening up at the emitters. With three successes, you're not able to shut down all of the emitters in the room, but you are able to shut down quite a few of them. You see about half of the drones begin to flicker and flash and stop in place, and then you see other beams of light from other emitters move in to try and reinforce them, but they're not nearly as efficient, and they are substantially slowed down. So you haven't wiped out any of the targets, but you're fairly certain that they are pretty heavily impaired. I'll take it. I am not going to direct my efforts at any of them individually. That would be just less efficient. I'm going to attempt to disconnect the power source that connects to the closest cluster of emitters. Okay. How are you going about doing that? Well, I currently have access to their computer system. You at least have access to the network. You could attempt to use that to manipulate the power flow in the building. You don't have direct access to the mainframe, but you do have access to the computer network in this office. That actually brings up a more interesting question. Would I be able to remotely deactivate sections of the emitters? Basically, I want it to do a self-check, which would require it to turn off most of the emitters. A diagnostic. That's what I was thinking. Running, Making it run a diagnostic. Give me a wits plus computer roll. Difficulty is going to be eight. That would be one success. One success. You won't be able to initiate the diagnostic this turn, but you are able to isolate exactly what you have access to, and you think you'll be able to use it next turn. You can't actually control the emitters directly. They look like they are wired straight into that mainframe. There is not any sort of wireless access to that mainframe that you can see. However, the power systems that are fueling the emitters, you do have access to. With one success, you won't be able to kick off any kind of diagnostic cycle till next round. But you're pretty sure that you could interrupt the power flow through a similar mechanism. Question. Is Fields 4 able to affect this holographic image? Or is Sapiology 1 able to affect it? I would actually use Sapiology. The approach that's been taken is anything that is chimerical or holographic, you would use the realm that would otherwise target it. And while this is being done via emitters, that's a bunch of paradigm talk for manifesting Chimera. Okay. I could make him really, really tiny. Metamorphosis for the win. <laughs> I think that's kind of what I want to do. Take the cell phone, take the camera, zoom out. 
<laughs> that make him tiny or just farther away? <laughs> I love that. No, that's that's fantastic. Um, just because I find that so entertaining, you can have that as a second level procedure. All right. <laughs> You're targeting him with sapiology as he comes more and more into resolution. He is looking more like an actual bat. You are able to make sense of what he is and target him with your incredibly detailed zooming application. So metamorphosis plus sapiology difficulty okay. will be six. Two successes. You zoom out and this bat form that had manifested was a little bit larger than Casey begins to shrink and contort. It almost looks like it's disappearing off into the distance, into nothingness. And by the time your application sort of runs out of juice, hits the limits of its uh, trial transformation, it is now roughly half the size that it was. While Casey had a rough time getting up there, once they're able to gather themselves, it's going to be a much less substantial challenge than it was. Excellent. How close is the nearest emitter to me? You could get there in an action. Okay, it's, yeah. You so know, I'll, it's maybe five, six feet away. Yeah, I'll run up and start clawing the shit out of an emitter. Give me a strength plus brawl roll. So that's two successes. Two successes. So you are successfully able to rush up and attack the emitter. You know, it's delicate laboratory equipment, really. It's not designed to take a beating. It will shatter. You can see the actual lens that's slightly protruding from the wall. But as you approach it, you feel the energy behind the emitter shifting and adjusting. For everyone else who's farther away and has perspective, you see the figure that's walking across the room turn their focus immediately to Dova Bear as he's rushing towards this emitter and just a shift of light happens in front of their eyes and something changes as he lands the attack while the emitter is shattered and three of the 12 drones that are flying around shatter out of existence. There's also a rush of energy to the emitter as it shatters and instead of perhaps the buildup of Zed that you would have expected, there is this wave of anthropic radiation that just flows out of the emitter and shakes the room. It doesn't affect any of the emissions that are being caused by the other emitters, but everyone roll anthropic hostility. Difficulty is nine. And this is an intense roll. Tell me how many successes you get. You will gain three anthropic radiation. I'm seeing a lot of zeros. Everyone who got a zero will gain three anthropic radiation. <laughs> I actually got three successes on that. You gain no anthropic radiation. Esty will have none of this garbage, but the rest of you are suddenly reminded that this technology included both a collection of Zed energy as well as anthropic radiation which were used in combination against their holographic targets. And that is a risk of what is happening here. Those of you who took the three anthropic hostility, 
feel your holographic forms shudder and give way. For Mark and Casey, can you give me a willpower check? Difficulty seven. Two successes for Casey. Two successes for Mark. You are able to keep your sense of identity in the face of this intact. You do not fall out of xenoform, but you did have to exert some effort to remain in your xenoform. So there are clearly much more advanced weapons here in terms of uh, turning against the countless. So I believe that then brings us to the top of the initiative pass. The figure walking across the room is uh, starting to get closer to you, although not really moving any faster. You do see the shifting lights in front of their eyes sort of speed up, and uh, the... uh, rays of light coming out of these emitters and manifesting these holographic entities are quickly adjusting and shifting their position. You see three new figures appear on the ground. They remind you of stereotypical versions of your own xenoforms. Whoever designed these things clearly wasn't actually familiar with the countless, but you see sort of a a walking squid-like figure who's using its tentacles as arms and legs. You see a robotic paramilitary figure with a large rifle, and then you see what looks like a very large cat form that has been grafted and changed. And walking upright, it has a number of blades that are protruding from various parts of it. It's very clearly been modified. They are all absolute mockeries of what you actually are. None of them are activated yet. They are not moving. You don't know how long that will happen, but they've all come into resolution. Now, top of the initiative order, I believe, is Conrad. Conrad wants to grab one of the EMPs. Esty, can I grab one of the EMPs from you? Go for it. Grabs one and, like activates it, Frisbee tosses it at the feet of the long-haired image. Give me a dexterity plus athletics check. Bending a they are getting power. closer to you, but they're still a ways away. It's a large room. Two successes. Two successes. We'll get the EMP relatively close. When the EMP goes off, there is a wave of Zed that is released. And it pretty much fills the entire width and length of this room. And it is going to temporarily disrupt all of the holographic forms in the room. Any of the forms that were already at all compromised do not come back into resolution. So at this point, all of the scanning drones are gone. They had all been at least partially compromised by your previous actions. They are not able to recover at this point. The shrunken bat hadn't actually taken any damage. It was just very small. It will eventually come back into resolution, although it's defenseless for the remainder of the next several turns. It won't be able to take any defensive actions. The figure who was walking towards you is going to fade out of existence for the remainder of this round. You can see it flicker and trying to come back in to resolution, but you do have a pretty strong opening here. You don't think that it can take any actions at this point. 
You don't know for certain, though. So next in the initiative order, we had two eights, I believe. You two go ahead and roll off against each other. Since last round, it was only Neodymium if you want. Okay, then Neodymium, what is your action at this point? Well, remember, I was trying to trip off the diagnostic sequence for the entire room. Right, right, right. Go ahead and give me a second roll on that to see how thoroughly you're able to kick that power cycling off. Two successes. You are able to activate power cycling at this point, and the emitters that are still functional, and there aren't many of them, are going to begin to flip off in order. They stay off for a few seconds, and then they come back on. But when they come back on, it's going to take a while for them to actually engage. At this point, the only remaining holographic form that hadn't been previously compromised was the bat. And it's absolutely going to be compromised by this. So we go from the flickering, long-haired figure walking towards you to now that's completely going to fade out. It isn't even able to sort of maintain its attempt at re-engaging with the power cycling that's happening. And uh, the bat is going to begin to fade in and out of existence. Every time one set of emitters goes offline, another immediately redirects to attempt to keep the foreign stable, and then it just progresses up the wall. The bat will not be able to act this round. The The power cycle isn't going to finish until well into next round, at which point it will re-resolve. You have free actions until Neodymium's next action. If you want to try and cross this space, if you want to try and do anything else, you can do that. So, Casey. I'm going to get up and make sure that EMP is okay, and then I'm going to try to fly again so that I can detonate the EMP finally. <laughs> so, Casey grabs the EMP, and now, having no obstacles in her way, she flies up using the two full Quicksilver actions that she has available to her due to her incredibly magnificent bionic wings and makes it to the top of this room and then you are going to set off the EMP wave. Are you going to just set off the EMP wave? Are you going to put it on any kind of timer and try to get away from it? I would You've like got tech on you too, so... Excellent. I would like to... It can mount to something, correct? Yeah. It's not just... Yeah. So Absolutely. I would like to mount it in the center on the third story, and then I would like to just book it back down to the ground as fast as possible. Basically, like, dive bomb. Okay. Give me an athletics plus dexterity roll. <laughs> Difficulty six. Here comes a botch. It wasn't a botch, but I failed again. <laughs> so I just fall. <laughs> right? You will fall. You do not successfully make that landing. Thankfully, you are in full xenoform. Uh, roll stamina for me, difficulty six. This should be okay, I think. It should be fine. Two successes. Two successes. Okay. You do not take any damage, but it is a rough and tumble landing, to say the least. Thankfully, the ground here is somewhat soft and rubber. It's clearly meant to get a little rough and tumble on, but you will make the landing by the end of the round. We were able to set off the EMP charge at the top, correct? You were, and 
at least at the moment, even before the EMP charge went off at the top, everything seemed like it was strongly out of resolution. You can't really tell what effect the EMP charge has had only because with the power cycling and the disruption from whatever it is that Conrad's doing, basically everything was out of resolution already. Can I tell which emitters are still active? There are three emitters that are sort of halfway between the very, very top of this space and the ground that are in the process of power cycling, but it's only those three emitters that look like they're still a risk. The only piece of equipment that is still actually running on the ground floor is the server itself. You would have expected Mm -hmm. it to have been wiped out by the EMP, but it may well be shielded. Fair enough. All right, well, the Admiral said these things can fly, so let's see what happens when I try it. So I'm going to try and, I guess, hover one of these devices at about mid-level. This is going to be a wits plus technology roll because you are trying to do more nuanced targeting with it just to get it to the optimal distance for what you want to do before it goes off. Difficulty? Difficulty seven. One success. You are able to get it up. It's not going quite the trajectory you wanted it to go on. It's sort of leaning off to one side of the room. When it goes off, it does take out one of those three projectors, but the other two were out of range. There seemed to be something that was actively trying to redirect it, which wasn't entirely successful, but two of them are still active. So drones always such a pain in the butt to pilot. (laughs) They're not everything they could be. So next we get to Goba Bear. Okay. I'm gonna bum rush the server rack, I guess. Okay. Can I get across that room that quickly? Give me athletics plus dexterity. Okie dokie. I am not incompetent at those things. Hey, two successes. I am completely good at mundane things. Given how large the room is, one action, two successes. You're not going to get all the way to the server, but you bum rush it as hard as you can, and you will close most of the distance. As the round ends, you will be approaching the halfway mark right around where that holographic figure was when it disappeared. We are back at the beginning of the initiative round, and you can all hear a loud buzzing sound coming from the server, and it feels like a buildup of energy is starting. The two emitters that are still active both turn their focus down to exactly where Dova Bear is, and the figure with the long hair begins to come back into resolution. You can all feel a very strong rush of Zed, and you're fairly certain that something different is going on. You suspect that when they come back into resolution, they may actually have an exposed holographic xenoform. They are going to spend their action coming back into resolution, so you can all take what actions you will. That's going to get us to Conrad. Do I have a clear line of sight to shoot the server? 
Yes, you do. I mean, yeah. there's nothing except for this one person emitting at this point. You could easily get a clean light of sight on that. Okay, then I am going to shoot the server. Okay, make your attack roll. It'll be difficulty seven because okay. of the distance, but it's a large target and it's not moving. Okay, I'm spending a willpower. Ugh. Well, one success because I spent a willpower. Roll damage on the weapon. It'll be standard damage since it's just one success. But it's a server. It can't very well dodge. Three successes. Three successes. The bullet makes contact and it ricochets away and you see a spark of lightning sort of burst up from the bottom of the server and make contact with where the bullet landed. And it appears to be trying to fill that area with energy. You can't tell exactly how much damage you did, but it certainly didn't take down the server. Okay. So then next is Neodymium, I believe. Yeah, I'm going to have the server drone connect itself to the remaining server and attempt to get all of the data off of it. Go ahead and give me a wits plus computer roll. Difficulty will be eight. I get one success. You have one success to assist. The server drone flies over the head of the rest of the crew and the holographic figure that's manifested and nestles and begins to circle right above the server itself. Several of the bolts of lightning that are arcing up from the bottom of the server towards where the bullet hit now arc up into the air. They seem like they're trying to strike the server drone, but none of them make contact. You can see the color codes flashing. It is clearly initiated its attack as well as data retrieval subroutines. So, Casey, it is your turn. You've landed, you've tumbled, you're feeling a little bruised and bumped, but you're here and you're upright again. I am out of ideas. How many EMP devices are left? We gave one to Imogen. We've used two in this room, so that's three total, so there's two left. We've used three in this room. We used one at the top level for Casey, one at the middle level for me, one at the bottom level for Conrad. So we have one left. So we have one left. Okay. The one suggestion that I might make is the first EMP device that was set off on the ground level didn't seem to impact the server. Ah. You know that the server drones themselves are shielded against the EMP. They Otherwise, they would be completely useless in the field using those two tools together. You saw that Conrad did some damage to the server. You don't know how much, but it may have compromised its security. And if you could get closer with that final one, gotcha, might be your best bet at taking it down. All right. A little shaken, not entirely confident, Casey turns to SD and says, can I have the last one? You gonna hit it the server? I I mean I'm gonna ch- try. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do it. You take this last EMP device 
Are you going to try and fly it over to the server? Mm-hmm. All right. You have to make a good solid leap slash flight over Dova Bear and uh, this figure that keeps entering resolution again. So go ahead and give me athletics plus dexterity. I have a success. <laughs> a success. That's going to get you around the two of them for the second action. This one is actually going to be more of an attack action. You need to get that EMP as close to that wound, that damage that Conrad put into the server form as you can. So this is going to be one final dex plus athletics roll. I might recommend spending a willpower. Let's do it. Let's yeah. just spend a willpower. Cool. So here's my willpower because Casey's just been having really rough day. And it's probably a little bit all those muffins they were stress eating earlier. So you go flying at this arc of lightning that's attempting to apparently create a protective barrier over this injury. And how many successes do you get? Five. You know, if there was going to be a roll to make it, this was the (laughs) roll to make it. You fly this thing right into the lightning. You don't even need to activate it. Because the lightning hits it and immediately triggers the effect. And it actually absorbs an enormous amount of energy from this arc of lightning. And it sets off the EMP. It waves through everything on the ground floor. And you hear this sizzling sound inside the server as systems just begin to fail. And you see it cascade through all of the fins in the cray, sparks and lights turning on very, very brightly before blacking out entirely. And then you are in a room that is pristine and perfectly black. You are fairly certain any circuitry inside that thing is fried. The only light in the room right now is from the rotating server bot. Having been shielded against the EMP and having not been in the same sort of proximity that the Cray itself was, it is still running. It is blinking a light sequence, which Dova Bear, what do you think the likelihood is that you actually remember the code sequence you were told earlier this game by the Admiral? I still have it in my pocket, I'm assuming. If you pull it out and compare, it is displaying the correct light sequence. So it apparently extracted its data before the EMP went off. Hooray for achieving questionable goals. As it turns out, the server bot itself rolled very well, even if the assist roll was mediocre. You can collect that, and at this point, you're pretty sure you've compromised all of the security in this place. Now would be a good time to exit. I'm assuming you are all going to exit post-haste. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Put my sunglasses on first. (laughs) So you recall the server drone. It flies back down to you. You're able to turn it off. You turn and you rush out the other direction. When you get into the hallway where it split off and you had the entrance into Avalon and TELUS, the TELUS laboratory does not look to be in very good shape. There were clearly problems with that engagement. You see 
blood. You see bodies. There are a number of pieces of equipment inside that are just completely torn apart. And uh, it did not have the broad open glass that let you see all the way in. Everything was frosted. But you're able to peek in and you do not see the Garu. You have no idea what happened to them. However, when you look over at the elevators, the elevators seem to be active. They're open. Conrad, at this point, once you get out of the actual Avalon space, you get a message on your phone. You realize that while you were in that space, you were completely cut off from any communications. So it wasn't just an isolated server circuit. The entire office was set up as a Faraday cage. You were cut off from the outside world. And there are a couple messages that have come in with updates about the escalation of events at the office and the reports that you will need. You are also given a pathway through the building where security has been specifically suspended to give you an easier out and a request to check in as soon as you are available. They were concerned when your tracker went off the grid. Got it. All right, everybody, we need to go this way and only this way. Don't go anywhere else. Go this way. Should we check on them? In the TELUS lab? Uh, they seem fine. I, I'm sure the furry chainsaws are absolutely okay. Yes. They may or may not be okay. If you look into the lab itself, there doesn't appear to be anyone there any longer. It's not nearly as large as the Avalon space was, actually. And unless there are other areas that are hidden farther in, the place seems a wreck, but no one's left. There are bodies of what look like a couple of laboratory workers in a couple different pieces spread across the lab. Can I recall the server drone? We gave Imogen one of those. Yes, you did. You could definitely try to recall the server drone. That's a fairly simple command. I'm going to yell, okay, server, go home. You hear a beeping sound and uh, the whirring of uh, the rotors on a drone. You don't see anything move. Inside the TELUS lab, sort of buried under a bunch of equipment that had been shoved aside, there is a server drone. It does not have the code that you have in your pockets. It does have a code that is firing. You'd have to do some more research to see, just look up what that code actually represents or actually log into the system and read out the logs. But you do have the server drone. Okay, well, we have the server drone, and I'm sure somebody can read its mind to find out what happened in there. So let's go. All right. You are going to follow the pathway that has been laid forth for you to get out of this building. It takes you down some odd hallways and uh, through some very specific security checkpoints that are out of the way through maintenance hallways, and it eventually gets you out the back of the building. The protests are still running rampant at this point. Most of the windows on the first story of this building have been completely bashed out. And another round of police were deployed. So it's 
very unfortunate outside, but it's also broken up enough in terms of spreading and moving into the building that it's not just this solid wall of people outside the building. And you are able to navigate through it with some care. Things are unfortunate, and you notice that while there are a handful of police here, several of the uniformed officers seem to have security uniforms on. They are not Seattle police. Some of them actually have logos. Some of them have the TELUS or the Avalon logo. Some of them just have a very large P on their arm, and there are other sundry logos that you don't recognize. But additional forces were brought in, and very few of them appear to be SPD. You will eventually be able to get away from all of this and back to your UFO. Conrad, you've been an amazing help. We have nothing but appreciation for your efforts, even if your computer skills are severely lacking. Did you get my name right? I'm so honored. Don't worry, you won't remember this in a little bit. Yeah. An interesting thing is going to happen here. You've gotten back. You are gathered with your equipment. You're going to dive into it and find out exactly what this whole mess is about very soon. And Neodymium has expressed his intense gratitude for Conrad. At that moment, you can all see the holographic glow around Conrad sort of dissipate and subdue. It's not exactly a full holographic form, but abducted humans do push in on subspace reality just a little bit. However, his perception doesn't give way. He doesn't move into sort of confused fugue that most humans go into when they leave abduction, especially when they are still in the presence of other xenoforms. Conrad, you feel the intensity of your experience dim a little bit, but you still see all of their xenoforms, even though Casey and Mark have both pulled back to merely being manifest in holographic reality. You suddenly realize that you saw all of these forms initially when you first approached the UFO, but we're just working very, very hard to not process that information. And you remember seeing similar creatures, some of them xenoforms, some of them not, when you were younger, and are concerned that maybe you don't want this to go away again. Maybe you shouldn't just go back to work as usual. You know, coming on this mission, I didn't know what to think. I didn't know what sort of outcome would come from this, but I do appreciate each and every one of you and am happy that you are now my friends and I hope we can stay connected and friendly with one another. I hand you my phone and say we should exchange contact information. (laughs) Absolutely. And Conrad puts his number in your phone and hands it back. I immediately accidentally name you something else. (laughs) So the crew has shut down the Avalon operations pretty substantially. There's still data hidden out there somewhere, perhaps in digital subspace, perhaps in another 
isolated server node. There are questions that still need to be answered, perhaps more questions than anyone had at the beginning of this entire mystery. But those are questions for another day. For now, Seattle slowly returns to normal. People are no longer disappearing, although the repercussions of what happened downtown incite a substantial increase in protest and pushback from the citizens of Seattle on the corporate city relations. The syndicate is going to have a very difficult time recovering from this one, and their special projects division is not going to be running at full force, at least locally, for some time yet. So this is the conclusion of uh, Hunter's Augment. And I would like to thank everyone who played and took part in this crazy adventure. I'd like to thank all the listeners. I hope you got some idea about what this Changeling Countless Dreams game is all about and just generally enjoyed yourself. Final goodbye. I'd just like to go around and thank specifically my co-host, Simon, Dova Bear, Mark, Natalie Gerani, my husband, playing Neodymium, the silicate scourge of subspace, Erica for playing Casey, possibly the most nervous bat who has ever lived, Angel for playing Esty, the incredibly inspiring, if somewhat curmudgeonly, Hubble Space Telescope Oppie, and Josh Heath from Werewolf the Podcast playing Conrad, Commodore, Charlemagne, I couldn't possibly remember all of the C's that he has been during this adventure. Thank you all very much for doing this crazy thing with us on Walking Away from Arcadia. Excellent. Yes. So glad you could make it on such short notice. Come in, come in, sit down. I've been wanting to talk with you. How are you doing? The last month has been trying to be certain. Since all the excitement, we've been doing a lot better, Admiral. As you can see, the wounds are all healed. I have a lovely new scar, but those change with bodies, you know. Yes. Yes, of course I do. Almost ready to move on to something new. So restricting, so little movement I have in this one. But it has been a good month. We actually have a decent relationship with the local changeling population. That Pennyworth, she has been an excellent proponent. They almost seem like they trust us. I don't know how long that will last, but it's nice to have a break. It's a nice reprieval. But speaking of mutual connections, how is Jean, the professor, Jean is doing better. We were able to recover them, uh, along with the changelings who were missing, and give them a good, solid set of support and nurse them back to health. The local holographics, they don't seem to do as well with hibernation as we do. Jean has 
recovered quite nicely. Uh, is teaching classes again, as I understand. Took a break, understandably. But um, things are getting back to normal. We'll see how long that lasts. So the reason I actually called you here, that data that you delivered, those servers, excellent work. You should have heard sooner, but you are in line for a promotion thanks to this work. Everything in the Symbiosis Commission is turned upside down, so it's delayed, unfortunately, but everything should be ready soon. Your contribution is much appreciated. I wanted to share with you what exactly it was you found. The game, you experienced that, unfortunately. When we dug into it, it was fascinating work. The whole game was a front. It was intended to fail. I don't see how they could have kept that going. (laughs) The number of deaths they would have experienced from their players when they actually proceeded to anything more threatening than what they were dealing with in the beta would have been astronomical. But they appeared ready to take that fall. The whole thing was set up as a ruse. They were going to develop the technology and give it to more trained military personnel. Typical. We're concerned about that. But the kicker is, it looks like they were not only able to create holographic reality, but actually format anthropic radiation, use it as a building block to reshape the space around it. It's terrifying. But early analysis uh, points to the fact that we might be able to do that towards more beneficial ends. I don't even think they realized what was happening unintended consequences and all that, but several of their gamers were adapting to holographic reality as they walked around with these anthropic hostility generators. They themselves were becoming less anthropically hostile. I did find it easier to throw them. Yes, that was fascinating, wasn't it? We're not totally certain, but we think that with enough work, We could begin to cultivate low-hostility humans, literally strip the anthropic hostility right out of them. I looked into your file. It was a tragedy, what happened with your title batch. You were one of only three who survived, wasn't it? The Symbiosis Collective referred to us as instruments of necessary expansion. Well, hopefully those times will be rare. We had to embed ourselves quickly before the natives understood there was additional competition for resources. When such times arise in the future, if we were to leverage this technology, I think we could have a much more successful joining procedure. We could cultivate hosts for years, have a, a pool of them at the ready, much like, what do the locals call their, their, their food supply? Livestock? Not exactly. Something along those lines. You mean like in the past when humans grew insulin in animals. Oh, yes. Yes, that is a much better example. Certainly we don't want to eat humans. That would be, oh, oh God, just just terrible. I can't imagine consuming them. But yes, very similar. Build a protection for ourselves inside of them more efficiently, less happenstance than now where we have to find someone who's low hostility. When one of us dies and there is not a host ready, those are terrible, terrible days. I would love to see the end of them. So we can improve the stock, improve our chances. We would very much like you to be involved. Perhaps look for likely recruits for the early experiments. 
it would mean the world to us. Understanding you, of course, are in line for promotion either way. You've contributed so much. But is that something you would be interested in? Since you've looked at my file, you would know that my primary avenue of research is in biological zero-point energy purification and refinement. Do you see any application for this information in that arena? Oh, yes, your work with the bees. It's an interesting thought. If we can format a human, certainly we could format something simpler, improve them, make them more efficient. I wonder, we might be able to use this to refine, to enhance your hives. It's an interesting proposition, more forward-thinking than any of the others I've seen so far. Yes, I do think we could put something together for that. Could you give me an outline of what you propose? I can send you the data we have. The data on the software, what you retrieved from that terrifying sounding room, that we have, I can send you all of that. The other server, the one that was a little rough around the edges, that lab was actually working on the hardware, the engines of the formatting. I think that would probably be more useful for you. Unfortunately, that data is incomplete. I can send you what we have. You can use it to write up a proposal. We are planning on putting together a group to find their off-site data storage and retrieve the rest of the data. We also have concerns about that group having access to this at all. It, of course, poses something of a threat to us. So as soon as we have that together, I can send it to you. I don't know exactly when that will be. Would you be interested in, in being involved in that venture? Yes. And if you end up needing additional support on further investigation and collecting a more complete data set, I would be able to help you with that, too. After all, collaboration is the name of the game. Indeed it is. We've been looking at putting a team together for that for the last week or so. I didn't want to tap your crew. You've already done so much more than we could expect of you. But if you're interested in joining that venture, I, I will certainly be in touch. If we can get the rest of that information, the possibilities are nearly endless. We could definitely make steps towards preventing another title event. Yes, we certainly don't need any more title events. Enough of us are stranded on this, whatever this is. Well, to many successful future joinings and to many successful future collaborations. Look at that proposal together for you, Admiral. Excellent. I cannot wait to see it.